There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Listening to the Arts House on Corks 96 FM and C103. Elmery here with you until 10. And that's the sound there of Mick Flannery. Now, releasing a new album is a big deal any time of the year, but this year now we're all starved of live gigs. I was thrilled to hear that Mick was releasing an album which was recorded live in Cork Opera House in 2019. The cover, oh, it's a gorgeous painted portrait of Mick himself, and the album is called Alive. As indeed was our back garden when he called over the other evening. The sun was shining, all the neighbours' children were out playing and singing in their back gardens. The air was heavy with the smell of barbecues and Mick had had a busy day. So yeah, I left I left Ennis at around 6.30 this morning and drove to Dublin to collect a batch of CDs and then I was delivering them around Dublin but I had some help. A lady named Sinead Troy helped me out. She took some of them off me and she delivered them to the city centre shops. Then myself and my brother went to Tala and then down to Wexford and then across to Cork. That's not your usual distribution method, is it? Back uh, of the car and off your head? A, this is more of a mom and pop operation yeah. now at the moment. <laughs> Were you doing a, a signing today? Yeah. How did you work that? That was everybody was wearing masks for that as well. And it was one person in at the, you know, the queue was outside. Right. And then the people of the shop were running it like a one person in, one person out type of thing. It was, it's a strange kind of a world to be living in. I mean, the mask takes away a lot of the communication, you know, facial cues and stuff like that. 
you have to become more animated with your eyes, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've, you kind of fail to recognise people as well, people yes. that you know. You just have to kind of have to take a guess at who that is. Who's that now? They just said hello to me too, too familiarly there. <laughs> I know this person. <laughs> you know, even just thinking about releasing a record as we're coming out of lockdown is one thing. But I suppose, uh, and I don't want to kind of trawl through with you about everything you did in lockdown, but it was just one of the most fantastic things, the way you gave and used your Facebook platform to shine a light on so many others who wouldn't maybe necessarily have had the access to the kind of audience that has grown with you. And you were very quick off the mark to kind of set that up. How how did that light bulb moment come to you? It did not come to me. I, ac- <laughs> I accept no credit for all credit for anything that looks like a good idea coming out of my area is is uh, my manager, Sheena. Okay. She's great. We've been working together for ye- oh, nearly two years now, I think. Sorry, Sheena, if I'm getting the dates wrong. But um, she's been great. That was her idea, as was this releasing of a new album. Uh, that's, you know, the profit share was her idea too. She's in close contact with people in the industry, you know, different engineers, and she's just tuned in to, yeah. to, to how people are dealing with this and what's going on. She's very sensitive and perceptive. So... It was her idea, and mm. I knew I, I knew it would make me look good, so I said yes. <laughs> You're out. But you know what, yeah, besides making you look good, and of course it did, at the same time, though, you must have got a kick out of it from a perspective of not always having the chance to collaborate with other people to a certain degree, and yet having this virtual connection with musicians that you know, musicians that you admire, musicians that you may or may not have worked with at one element or anything before. I mean, did any of them do stuff on your platform that you thought, hey, there's something in that maybe we might follow on? Or My aunt, Yvonne, who, yeah. sing, who sings with me at gigs, she sang songs that she had written herself that I did not know she had written. And they were beautiful. So I just have to get I have to row in with the rest of the people who believe that she should record her own album. Try to make that happen. Has she not done one before? No, she never recorded one of her own. Her sister has. Carrie is her name. She's recorded two albums now, I think. She started writing songs a couple of years ago. So in her 30s... I'll say 30s, Carrie, but I think I'm being <laughs> generous. Favourite um, <laughs> But Yvonne hasn't done her own album now, but she should. I think. And then there was a guy called Steve Poltz who was nearly the polar opposite of me personality-wise. He's a lightning bolt personality. Okay. He was lepping around the place in his house. I don't know. I guess you'd have to see it to believe it, <laughs> the type of man he is. But he was great, you know. It was, it was cool. Look, it was cool to see them all, all the different people, because I would have done gigs with all of them at different stages but all, in different also, countries. But also, you know, as much as that... It was plain, like the ones that I did see. They were all just thrilled that you gave them this platform and that you shared your audience with them and you introduced a whole load of people to them, which was and wouldn't otherwise have happened. It's strange, isn't it? You know, I was talking to another person earlier on in the week about gifts that we maybe got in lockdown that we wouldn't otherwise have had because life is all so fast paced and we're under pressure and we we, we got a kind of gift of time. Everyone is always saying we never have enough time, but we got the gift of time in this uh, strange period. Yeah, it's 
It was very interesting. Just to notice the lack of plans in your head. It was it, it was very relaxing and f- kind of you start to wonder what was all that fuss about going in there before. What were all those things that I thought were very important? When they're clearly not. I seem to be a little bit happier at the moment without that fuss in my head. So it felt a lot more natural to to live that slowed down way and people started to kind of revert back, seeming that they seemed to devolve, going back to cooking their own food in their own garden, do you know, Whenever looking after heard, themselves, yeah. Yeah. as opposed to leaning on, on markets and shops and stuff like that. I think probably maybe the last live concert that I was at was one of the Right Here, Right Now concerts in the Opera House in February. It was just a couple of weeks before it all kind of went belly up. That's right. And you had one of the most amazing nights uh, in the Opera House as well. And I know that kind of ties into this new album, which was, of course, recorded last year in the Opera House. But come back, though, to this this most recent gig, the Right Here, Right Now one. Like, that was, again, probably one of your last big gigs. And what a gig, again, you know, to have the full orchestra behind. Yeah, it was great. And we, thankfully, we have... Uh, recording of that too so hopefully we'll get around to to mixing it it's a little bit expensive to, to make them all sound nice um, but hopefully because we really enjoyed it Cormac McCarthy's arrangements he's like I didn't know how much of a genius he was mm-hmm. I apologise Cormac but he's great great musical mind uh, we, we did mix up one with Susan O'Neill. I was going to say, yeah, Baby uh, Talk, of course, yeah. is available and people can see that if they weren't at that gig in the Opera House. They're yeah. like, oh, it's lush. that as well the other night for Courage in the Crawford and again that was such a paired back one then you know and yeah. uh, again such a beautifully intimate gig but at the same time I felt like those gigs in the Opera House the Right Here Right Now ones even though it's the biggest forum I suppose in the city you can still see people in the back row it's big but it's also intimate isn't it? The Opera House I find uh, it's nothing to do with the Opera House it's beautifully designed and all 
it just it racks my nerves. Really? Yeah. It's like you say, it's the biggest place in Cork to play. I don't know. It makes you question yourself. It makes you say, "Am I an imposter here? Do I deserve to be on this?" stage and all these people coming there's some kind of kind of grandness to it that you wonder are you kind of worthy of you know because it's an opera house i think is maybe is it maybe it's the name or maybe it's the fact that people uh, actually I'm, I'm the opera house allows people to bring their drinks in sometimes <laughs> Do you think that, that makes a difference to the gig oh it does <laughs> like i've brought my own slab of beer to theater gigs before just to hand out to the audience if it, if the theater doesn't allow yeah. you know glass in the in the theater like just just to give people a little bit of a break, <laughs> you know. Well, it, I suppose it's it's different, isn't it? Like when you're playing a gig where people can trip in and out of the bar. I'm battling here with Katy Perry. <laughs> can you hear them? Is that what the song they're singing? They're trying to do the Eye of the Tiger. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You're going to hear me roar. Speaking of battling, <laughs> you know, we were releasing this album today and we just got, like... You know the way the charts go these days, you know, if you do a good week the first week, yeah. it's possible that you get into the top ten or even the top three, you know. But uh, speaking of battling, we just got news that uh, Taylor Swift is releasing an album today, a surprise album. So The Jade. We're out of the... <laughs> we're out of the running. We cannot, we cannot compete with Taylor. That's a howl, that's a howl. Well, we'll talk about the new album now in a second, but I just want to come back to the gig in the Crawford, though, um, Other Voices, which, of course, you've done below and Kerry before as well. But this was a really special one. I mean, like, the Crawfords looked stunning. I don't know how long it took them to find the perfect spot for Jeffers' piano and set it all up. It looked stunning when you went in the other night. Yeah, um, it, was, it was cool. They're a very good crew. They're very together and they're very friendly. And they make everyone feel kind of... Relaxed and it's 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 nice to be invited to those things, you know, because they're they're so well done and they they sound good when they get broadcast and they look good, so it's nice to be invited. It's they're a little bit strange in, in the you know the ones in Kerry, whereas back in the time where they could have an audience, there's an odd kind of eerie silence after after a song sometimes with, in these uh, quarantine streams. It is. It's, it's so like, strange, isn't it? Yeah, it's like you're begging the the universe for attention and it just will not give you any. <laughs> And then you're kind of wondering, like, I know that, that there was a screen where you could mm. kind of see a little bit of feedback of messages that were coming in and who was logging on from, I don't know, Buenos Aires and like Dubai or whatever. Like they were logging in from all over the place, which is fantastic. Mm. Um, but there is that sort of knowledge that there is an audience out there, but that gap where you can kind of chat with the audience is gone. You know, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? Because like one of the things I love on Alive, for example, is your introduction to Boston. Right. You know, and it's just totally organic, totally natural. The audience are right there with you in the basement and uh, <laughs> there is that connection, you know, and that's lost, of course, obviously, in the quarantine ones. Uh, this is a song about uh, two people I met in America the first time I went over there to play music. And they put me up in their house. Uh, they were kind of friends of fr friends of a friend, so they didn't really need to do it, but they did. They were sound. They let me stay in their basement for a couple of weeks, and they were nice people. They, they liked each other. Happy couple. Happy kids. Happy dog. And me in the basement. 
So, this is kind of out of jealousy. It's supposed to be from his, his point of view. My sister thought it was me in the basement trying to steal this guy's wife. <laughs> but it's not, it's not that. <clears throat> small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place with linkedin you can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today You're not much of a talker at gigs, though, at the same time. Not much. I mean, I got better a little bit. I was very nervous about it before. People used to comment on it, you know, say, maybe you should say something, you know. Um, and I know myself from going to gigs that I, I am kind of willing the performer to just connect a little bit with the audience, you know. Just a little couple of things always kind of helps. And I like to hear some little kind of insight into why they wrote the song, because... You know, if you hear a first verse, you're not always you're not always sure what the song is about. But if there was a little introduction, then you can already be landed somewhere in the vicinity. It's so true because, like, obviously, with things like Evening Train, there was an arc and a story that people travelled along with that. Ever before it took to the stage, you know, people could get on the train and go on the journey or whatever. But um, otherwise, yes with other songs you are kind of lepping straight into and the whole backstory of what happened to you or where the song came from is lost and I know there's a certain amount it's like looking at a painting you know the interpretation is there in the eye or for the listener the interpretation is there in the ear but it's utterly different and like I would do MC for a lot of concerts and things like that and I feel quite happy setting the scene and settling the audience and all that sort of thing but quite often one of the things I'm saying to performers backstage is which ones do you want to introduce yourself and make sure you talk to the audience because it does make such a difference. Yeah, I find it does. It helps to take some of the nervous energy out of the room. And like my friends, I have quite sarcastic, mean-spirited friends. And, you know, um, <laughs> you don't let you get up on yourself, so... No. Um, the, on the odd occasion they come to gigs, 
they they have to take me down a peg afterwards because there's a kind of a, a phenomenon that happens when you have a microphone in a tense environment. Like some of the things you say aren't actually that funny, but the humor is amplified by the fact that you set it into a microphone in a kind of a formal setting to a crowd. And there's a kind of a tension that needed to be broken anyway, so that the laughter is a it's like you kind of t- you kind of know that what I said wasn't that funny, and you're you're kind of grateful for the audience for laughing so heartily. But my friends afterwards they say you are not that funny. Do not think for a second that that is reflective yeah. of how funny you are. Neil Delamere's job is safe, in other words. <laughs> Absolutely. But the best kind of friends, though, because obviously they're friends who are you know friends from before fame and friends from some of them I used to actually play some music with. Um, but we kind of we broke up as a band. Uh, I, I can't. Can I tell you any more stories? Of Maybe not without well, disgracing them on radio. I don't mind disgracing them too much. There was one time where I I shouldn't have told them, but I got word that the producer Rick Rubin had rang, or at least his manager had rang the record company in Dublin that I was with at the time to ask about me, and I got very excited by this, and I mistakenly told my friends about it and a couple of weeks later nothing had come to light you know we had sent some demos over for new stuff to Rick Rubin but then no there was kind of radio silence so my friends it was a running joke for a while like they would ask me like has Rick Rubin uh, got on got to you and then one day I think it was about a month later I was going to the toilet in a bar and as I came back one friend in particular was just kind of smiling at me and I said what is it and he goes well, you know, what's one thing we all have in common? I said, what? He said, Rick Rubin didn't call any of us. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough, friends. They're good. Yeah, they are. They are good. Because, you know, I mean, like I've heard you talk before about different songs and about how, you know, you can kind of end up with a existential philosophical reflections on life. But if you're friends like that who are always going to cut to the chase, it's a good circle to have. You know, you talked about being in New York there and I know that the album cover for this is a fantastic painting of you by a guy in the States and I love the title he's given it at least the title that came through in the image was Three Chords and the Truth the best songs as they say in country music Um, so how how did you meet this this guy? Sheena again she somehow knew that Rainer was a fan of of the music I was making and she linked us up on one of the social media things. Um, and I was passing through New York to do a gig and he came along to the gig and I think it was the following day that I went to his apartment just to kind of take a few photographs for, for this painting that he was going to do. Yeah, he's very talented. It is a brilliant cover. But, you know, like that, like three chords and the truth, I'm sure you play a lot more than three chords, but the truth is what you're always kind of digging for. And in this album, like, it's it's a collection, obviously, of the concert that was played live in the Opera House last year. So songs come to it from various other albums and previous work that you've done as well. And mm. I'll always remember the night myself and Connor listened to Evening Train first in the kitchen. We sat back and like, Connor's a major Tom Waits fan and you would have introduced me to Tom Waits, Connor. And I remember we sat back in the kitchen and the two of us were nearly, like, clung to the seats. So In the Gutter is one of the songs that's from that album that's in this this yeah. one as well, the live version. Will you introduce it? That song is towards the end of the Evening Train album where the like the Evening Train story is based around two 
brothers who are quite different to each other. One is a kind of trying to get on with life through the kind of straight-laced avenue of saving up money by working at a job. And the other is a gambler and a kind of a rake, a drinker. So this song is kind of like the culmination. It all comes back to bite him. So this song is he going to his girlfriend and asking her to leave town with him because he has gotten himself into too much trouble. And she is telling him to head on off back to the pub where he belongs. Down to the station Will you come with me When I go down to the station Will you come with me I'm gonna leave this stormy weather Gonna get our things together Morning trains Gonna have us both set free But I'm a man with a hurricane Susan? Yeah, we've done a few. Um, we were nearly ready to start recording uh, this kind of project. I'd say we've, uh, we'll, we'll have an album worth of stuff, I'd say. Um, it's been good fun. It's like similar to the evening train thing because I've myself and Susan have been writing most of them to this kind of thread of what it's like to be in a relationship between a man and a woman. So there's, a, there's all sorts of different kind of angles that we try to take on it. Like I could see that because, like, the track Ghost, for example, oh, the, the heartbreak in that. Yeah, there's, there's kind of two characters in it, so that Susan's character is, like, more successful than the, than the male character. They're both some way involved in the music industry, but there's a kind of a jealousy between them. And there's an there's an inequality between their talents and their their the success that follows, so that creates this tension. 
they both need each other, but there's these ambitious things that are kind of tearing them apart. You must have the most amazing conversations. I mean, before you ever sit down to write a lyric or a melody, like if you're having these chats about these characters and that story arc, do your phone conversations or Zoom conversations go on for hours? (laughs) Um, Myself and Susan do tend to talk too much, right? And, like, uh, not get enough done songwriting-wise in the day. Because like we drift off actually into all sorts of philosophies and things mm. like that. Yeah, you know, it's good, but it's fun, you know, to take on a project like that. And it's interesting to see what what type of things that you can kind of manoeuvre into it. You know? When you're working with her, like, do you let something grow, or have you the plot end already in sight? I don't have the plot end yet. No, or we don't. Um, I did write a few of the songs on my own prior with this kind of thing in mind. And then Susan has been adding a few. There's no definite arc to the story, which might not be a bad thing because I find it a bit kind of restrictive when Mm. there's a certain arc that the audience has to follow and that's it. There's no other interpretation allowed. Yes. So it's kind of loosely... There's certain songs that will reference the fact that she is quite successful and well-known. That's about the only thing. Everything else is kind of them bickering with each other, you know. (laughs) When we sang that song together And we looked up at the night And when Bobby asked that question Well, maybe he was right To see a ghost Why would you want To see a ghost I'm a human And I thought I fell in love With a human I thought I had it good For a moment And I must have had it almost Seems I went and fell in love with a ghost, with a ghost. talking about how the fact that your your friends never let you kind of get ahead of yourself and uh, Sheena is always coming up with these good ideas well there was a couple of good ideas that happened quite recently and one of them was to do with the Crawford and one was to do with how we started off which was talking about the gigs on your Facebook page and how you have not just shared your platform but you're also using your voice to physically support other people so Asylum Seekers in Ireland you constantly mentioned that and you did at the Crawford Courage gig to raise funds for, for that organisation. Yeah. And this album, of course, is also a profit share with your with your band. It's it's hard to know. I've been at a couple of drive-in gigs in the last month or so. They work, they don't. You know, it's, it's kind of unpredictable. It's hard to tell. What social distancing is going to do for live music is 
is something else, you know. I mean, like at least you were able to play and have yourself and Alan and Susan all together in the Crawford. But while you as a solo performer can in many respects still maintain that level of connection with the audience on Facebook and stuff, the band, the crew, all of those, they're kind of cut off from that kind of platform. And, and so it's been important to you to maintain that level of camaraderie. Yeah, I do miss it, like the gigs and... The guys have said as well that they miss the, the crack because we all, as a gang, get on very well. Yeah. There's often too much fun as head after a gig and the next day is ruined. But uh, the way we do gigs usually as well is that we don't have a set list, so like, there's no real prescribed thing to play. So it feels like everyone's involved creatively. You know, they can do whatever they really want, you know, especially during solos. So it is something to miss, for mm. sure. That's the magic of life, which is also part of the magic of this album because people are starved for live gigs and listening to an audience chuckling when you say this didn't go to plan or that wasn't how it was going to go or that's what the whole point of going to a live gig is you know never to be repeated shared experiences so that's why this album is extra special I think to have it come out after what we've been through and what we're still deprived of is just perfect timing it really really is it's perfect timing so this is I suppose a, a culture and a time where we're kind of especially telling people you know don't just be relying on your Spotify plays and buying the album is ever more important than ever particularly with this one now so how will people get their hands on it and the download of it pretty much it'll be everywhere it'll, we, we sent them off and delivered them to the, nearly every shop yeah, that sells them CDs and vinyl in, in, this, in the country and then there's the Spotify and iTunes so it, I think it will go everywhere that it can and we're hoping that you know it'll go well I hope I can give them all more than 20 quid each at the end of it <laughs> Now, listen, um, it's been a beautiful day. I actually got sunburned doing a bit of gardening and all that kind of crack earlier on. You've come and visited us in the garden, and because it's a fantastic evening, all the neighbours are out left and right and up yeah. and down the road. So they're all on the radio, yeah, the radio whether they planned it or not. And uh, you've been a great sport to chat away like this and, uh, and do it regardless. We were battling with Katy Perry and all the rest of it. So Taylor Swift... Watch out. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much, Mick. Thanks, William. Got to feel that it ain't done. Long as light come into my eyes, long as air come down in my lungs. I'm standing up, I'm counting in.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.